Hi, this is Deadeye Dave welcoming you to the Real Blood Podcast Network. Each Saturday, you will hear a new episode of either Reasonably Real, which is our general movie podcast, or The Cast That Drips Blood, which is our horror-focused show. On Monday, we have Reasonably Newsworthy, which is our new show where we talk about the releases that you might be interested in on DVD Tuesday. We have a rotating cast of hosts, and we definitely aren't afraid to chat. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page in the show description and our letterbox profiles as well. If you are interested in supporting the show, telling your friends about us is the best way to make the show expand. If you are interested in supporting us monetarily, our podcasting host Anchor allows you to do that through their website, and every dollar is appreciated, but never expected. Thank you so much for your continued support, and enjoy the show. Now that you know what we've been watching, follow us over at Letterboxd to be able to keep up with what we are watching in real time. Uh, But either way, now that that's over... Let us go into our main section of our podcast. Welcome to the Cast of Drips Blood. This is Deadite Dave, and joining with me today across the internet is Caleb, Mike, and Jody. How are y'all doing today? Doing well. Excellent. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing good. Good deal. Jody, what do you got going on? Today was a good day for horror. I got to go to my first horror con in two years. Oh my goodness, it's been a long time then. It sure I can't, has. I can't believe I'd went to one uh, since you'd been to one last. That's that's mm-hmm. hard to believe. But uh, uh, definitely cool, and thank you for picking up Scanner Cop for me. I do do appreciate that. Don't, don't let me forget uh, to get your PayPal information so I can get you that money tonight. Uh, so, but before no we rest. get to, before we get too deep into uh, paying each other back for favors, uh, Caleb, what have you been watching? Oh, I've been watching quite a bit this week. So I started off on the 27th of July uh, with a film, a little film I'd heard about, directed and written by uh, B. Grant. Uh, 12-hour shift it was currently on hulu uh didn't entirely love it didn't live up to the hype uh, didn't feel like there was really any kind of story there was a story but they're like it pretty much just resets itself in the end uh love the <laughs> casting of uh mick foley and david arquette just random cameos that were thrown in this film but other than that it wasn't i gave it about about a five-star review, about as good as I could give it at the time, and it, it, it was a little decent film. And then after that, I watched uh, Hunter Hunter on Hulu as well. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect going into it. Um, you kind of get the feeling of more of a, like a werewolf horror film, and I wasn't expecting a final girl situation out of the film as well, but it was very terrifying. Uh, the music really adds to that and the feeling of just being lost. And uh, I, if you like gore, most of the film won't be for you uh, until the ending. And that's all I'll say about that. And then I finally started getting into some really good films. Uh, I watched Suspiria. Uh, thank you to Mike for uh, allowing that to be a part of my collection. Uh, I can now see why Argento is beloved by the horror community uh he's he has a great eye for talent and he created quite a masterpiece uh even despite being a 1990s or 1977 film uh older horror films don't really terrify me that much 
uh, was definitely suspenseful, uh, gruesome, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, and then after that, I watched a, a Vietnamese film called The Scent of Green Papaya, uh, kind of half family drama, half uh, romance film. Uh, it was wonderful. There's, there's not a lot of dialogue. It pretty much just lets its shots of nature uh, and just the awe of what you can see around you if you really take the time to look at it. Uh, the music is amazing. Uh, like I said, the shots are wonderful, but it was a really, really nice foreign film. and I really enjoyed it. Uh, after that, I ended up watching Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, interesting movie, uh, full of references and blatant fan service. Uh, especially if you watch the original Space Jam film, doesn't quite have the charm of the original Space Jam, but I didn't expect much going into the film, so thankfully it let me have a good time. And lastly, uh, I ended up watching 28 Days Later. Uh, last time I was on here, I talked about watching Sunshine, and I ended up watching 28 Days Later, so I guess we're getting a Killian Murphy marathon. <laughs> uh, but it was, I like I liked the idea of using a virus where it didn't make them zombies technically, uh, just let them go into full-blown rage. Uh, but it is full of nightmare fuel. It is half family, fun family moments, half absolutely terrifying film. Uh, I don't like zombies. I really, I really don't. I just think they're kind of terrifying. So, but it's definitely, definitely a really fun and terrifying movie. I always like a good terrifying movie. <laughs> good deal. Is that what you've been watching, Caleb? Yeah, that's all I, that's, I knocked quite a few movies that I've been needing to watch for a while out. Yeah, sounds like a, sounds like a good list for sure. Maniac Mike, what have you been watching? Uh, I haven't got too much stuff in this week. I switched to schedule at work and it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but I think I'm probably going to shock everybody when I say that I watched uh, two new released movies. Uh, I caught up with the 2021 film Spiral from the Book of Saul. Um, and I have to say, Chris Rock was a lot better than I thought he was going to be in this film. The investigative parts, especially the first three quarters of the movie, the investigative parts and uh, him as a, as a kind of a rogue detective, it really worked for me. Um it felt like a cheaper version of seven in a way uh, with how some of the, the plot structure was and the way the, the detectives are getting messed with a little bit. And mm -hmm. uh, I enjoyed that. And then kind of the end came around and I see a lot of, I saw a lot of it coming. Um, and I think I said that here a couple weeks ago when sometimes I'm kind of clueless when watching a movie like this and if I can catch on and figure out what's happening before they hold your hand and tell you what's happening you probably missed the mark a little bit um, but overall I do think Spiral uh, Book of Saw is worth a watch uh, I gave it a 6 out of 10 if anything, to see Chris Rock kind of do a different type of acting role than he normally does, and it does show uh, that he has some pretty good range. So I enjoyed that movie, 6 out of 10. It's definitely worth a watch. Uh, the next film that I will talk about 
is starring actually one of my favorite actors, just because I think he's hilarious, and he didn't let me down in this movie, and that's Nobody. Uh, uh, with Bob Odenkirk as the lead. Bob Odenkirk, has, it, he's hilarious. Um, for people that haven't watched the Better Call Saul uh, TV show, his just very dry sense of humor um, and then his evolution into Saul Goodman is something to behold and this movie had a lot of that very good comedic timing that he's known for and it also had a lot of good action in it uh, really enjoyed the film uh, yes I get people calling it the rip off John Wick and this and that you know it was a all over a cat charm and or you know a cat bracelet but who cares uh, I think it differentiates itself enough from John Wick uh, with its comedy um, and this one is definitely worth a watch it's very entertaining and I give uh, nobody I originally gave it a 7 out of 10 but I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 just on the fun factor alone because this movie is a lot of fun uh, and there's a lot that they can kind of do in this universe, kind of like the John Wick films. But um, I think they have a lot of options where they could explore a sequel if they really wanted to. Uh, so I'm going to give Nobody an 8 out of 10 and uh, say that that one's definitely uh, on the, the, the highly recommended list, especially if you like action movies and uh, comedy action movies, because this one, it has good comedic timing to it. Um, and that's pretty much all I've watched this week. So, Excellent. Sounds like some good movies for sure. Definitely glad you liked uh, Nobody and, and Spiral to a certain yep. degree. Jigsaw Jody, what have you been watching? All right. This week I got six more challenge movies in. The first one I watched, The Russo Brothers, first movie since Avengers, uh, star- and especially starring uh, Tom Holland. There's a movie called Cherry on Apple+. Plus. Uh, that was very good. I liked it a lot. Um, However, I felt like there's a lot of things in that movie, a lot of themes and situations and points in this this guy's life. It's kind of like a biopic. It's kind of like, especially during the first half of it, kind of like the movie Goodfellas in a way, not in content, but the way that it kind of like it's narrated and kind of sometimes he breaks the fourth wall and things like that. It reminded me of Goodfellas, the way it was made. Um, But... It, I, it was two hours and 20 minutes long, so and there was a lot of things going on, so I thought that either they could have cut it like about 40 minutes out of it and only, you know, maybe did three three topics because uh, it deals with war and it deals with drugs and it deals with, uh, like, bank robbery and heists and things like that. So maybe, like, end relationships. So I thought maybe if they cut one or two of those themes out, then it would have been a little stronger. Or I think it would have made an excellent fully fleshed out like eight episode miniseries mm-hmm. and I think it could have even won like a lot of awards if it had went that route but just as it was I gave it a 7 out of 10 the next one I watched was a movie called Palmer with mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake and I thought it was phenomenal and it like just like tugged at my heartstrings in the good way and yeah very underseen movie I think yeah uh, nobody's really talking about it but it is I, really I good I thought it was fantastic um, and then I watched Our Friend, which is another Heartstrings movie, but it, more in the sad way. Um, it was great to see Jason Siegel in a movie again. I, I'm a big, pretty big fan of his. And oof, it is a, you know, gut punch of a movie, though. It's really, really sad. 
uh, but very good all the same. I gave that a 7 out of 10. Uh, I watched Hunted on Shudder, which was a, just kind of your basic siege narrative. Average film, 6 out of 10. Enjoyable, disposable movie. Nothing really wrong with it. Nothing really amazing about it. Just, just kind of good throwaway entertainment to watch. And I watched The Dig, which is not my cup of tea at all. Literally and metaphorically, kind of it was like if they in Downtown Abbey, if they just dig stuff up all the time and like do British things, then that's probably you're probably going to enjoy that movie. But if you if you're not into period pieces like I am not and British stuff like I'm not, then you probably could skip that one. <laughs> um, literally, all they do is dig stuff up and like argue and stuff like that. Yeah, I watched it. I was I, I think it's a good film, just very much not my not my bag. And I'm usually not even someone who says that, but that one really is. It's it's just not my thing. Really dry. Um, and then lastly, I watched one called American Skin. And I didn't actually end up scoring it because I don't know how to score it. Uh, I had, see a lot of people scoring it a half. It was directed by Nate Parker, who came into some controversy about five, six years ago with Birth of a Nation um, mm-hmm. because he's an alleged rapist. Um, he was acquitted. I, you know, so that's why I say alleged. But like, I guess, you know, there's like tape recordings and different things. So I don't know what to say. So I see a lot of people just giving that a half star. I don't even know if they watched it, you know, cause you know how they do that on letterbox and rotten tomatoes or even IMDB based on you having watched the movie, but to like sort of cancel a film, people will give it like a one out of 10 type thing. I see a lot of that going on. And then I see a lot of five out of five, like five stars or 10 out of tens on that based on the topic, like F the police and all that stuff. It basically, it's about, um, you know, an African-American teenager who uh, who was unarmed that's shot and killed by police. And mm-hmm. then I think it did a lot of things very well because even the tag is like, it's like it's time to change the conversation. And basically it's set up like a 12 angry men kind of thing. Like the, the father takes the police station hostage, but he not to necessarily kill anybody, but he wants to have like a jury and like you know, have a jury of his peers and like basically, so they sit down and like you hear both sides of the story and like what cops, you know, have to go through. And then you hear what, you know, African-Americans and people of color have to go through. So that's all fine and good. But then basically the end point of the movie is that it's never going to change. Cops will always kill people of color. So So it was that short film that, that I got pissed about that won the Oscar. Yeah. Yeah, that, so, so that sounds I've like seen a, a lot of fives and a lot of ones, and it's not a five or a one. <laughs> so yeah. I ended, and then like I thought about it, I didn't even really review it, and I didn't really score it because there are a lot of comments on a lot of the reviews and scores from other people. Basically, oh, you gave this a low score, you're racist, or uh, you gave this a high score, you're supporting a rapist, or you know. Uh, screw this guy one star he's a rapist like it's just yeah. like I, I, like it's very very little commentary on the film itself and i decided to avoid all of that controversy and Sometimes i didn't score it i didn't score it and i didn't re- uh, review it i just logged it as watched and called it a day 
Definitely, definitely a good idea sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And then, so, and then other than those six uh, challenge movies, I am going to, or I went to the theater two times. First time was the very phenomenal, guaranteed a nice solid spot on my top 10 list of the year. That would be Nicolas Cage's Pig. Mm. Nice. And again, you have like, like, like nobody on paper, it sounds like John Wick, but it's, it's John Wick. If instead of guns and action, it was contemplative, uh, quiet contemplation on life and love and loss instead of action and, uh, guns. So, but it, it was in a lot of ways, very suspenseful all the same. And I think it was phenomenal. And Nicholas Cage, and I'm not joking when I say it, it's just probably his one of his very top performances, like serious performances. He's given many great, like, you know, Nicolas Cage performances, but this is like definitely Oscar worthy performance. I thought it was even better than his leaving Las Vegas performance for which he did win an Oscar. So Uh I would like to see him nominated this year for this movie. So we'll see. And then of course I saw M night Shyamalan old and I'm curious what you think of this. uh, Seven out of 10. I liked it. It didn't. It didn't melt my face off, but uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It was, it was, for me, like it was like his in the middle ground of his films because I've seen much better by him and I've seen much worse. Fair. So, I mean, that, that is fair. So I gave it right like a six point five seven out of ten. So that is it for me. All right. Well, I've. You know, we were just talking about, you know, trying to avoid controversy. Well, I got a review on here to, to spark some controversy, unfortunately. Because, um, you know, yeah, it is what it is. But either way, I watched a movie called uh, Kondisha, I believe is how to pronounce it. It's a Shutter original. Mm-hmm. Um, very strong film, actually. I liked it quite a bit. It's a unique take. I didn't know anything about like this bit of folklore, but it's really interesting. Um, so totally check it out. I don't want to give much away because I have a feeling uh, a lot of people probably don't know much about this. Um, but check it out with knowing as little as you can. And then I watched um, a movie called Adoration. And this is directed by the guy who did the French extreme film called Calvaire. Um, and this is a different movie. But also similar in a way. Um, so very dark film uh, in subject matter, you know, molasses paste art film. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what you get out of this movie here. Uh, good time for sure, though. And uh, I would recommend checking it out if you're interested in like really dark dramas that teeter on horror at times. Uh, watch Strike Commando 2, uh, which is a good time for sure. Uh, no Reb Brown this time around, but hopefully we, uh, me and uh, Steven Senegal will cover this in full on the uh, action cast. Uh, so watch out for Strike Commando 2. Rewatch Censor, and uh, what a film that was. Um, so, you know, I've seen that before, but my feelings have only strengthened over time. I do quite love this movie. I believe uh, the person I was watching it with, I, I uh, had over uh, Stephen Francis, and we watched this movie. He really liked it as well. And, um, you know, it's just a really strong film. 
And then I got, finally got around to the Screen Factory cut of House of Wax, um, which I hadn't seen in years since I think uh, old Maniac Mike here brought it home for Halloween one year. And we watched it. Um, I do remember that one. This movie's uh, underrated. It is. It's actually a really good film. Um, and I think it's aged really well, too. Um, so I do recommend watching that Screen Factory cut. I do believe this is the first time it's available on Blu-ray. And it looks really good. Uh, the effects have actually aged pretty well for this movie. And similar to Silent Hill, I think it actually just improves the overall quality of the film. Uh, a lot of really good set design. Um, a lot of the performances are good, and even the ones that aren't are chosen in a way to be good. <laughs> and, you know, the, the horror is really good. There's a lot of strong horror here. And I do totally recommend checking out House of Wax. And next up is I watched Clown House uh, from Victor Salva. Um, this is was recommended to me by a member of the group who did not know the history of this film. I forgot all about what it was. It was a little late at night, and I promised I would watch it, so I did. And, um, Jody, I know your pain. I don't know how to score this one <laughs> right. at all because it's it's a strong film. Let's be honest here. It, it really is. It's a good movie. Um, there's a lot of good... Uh, if I could have gotten past the creepiness of knowing that this is a film where... Victor Salva, director of Jeepers Creepers, who's still making films to this day, by the way, um, you know, molested a child. Actually, two of them. One just didn't come out to say anything. Um, it's just horrifying. And then to watch the film, knowing that and seeing the close-ups they do on areas they shouldn't on these little boys, scenes of them in the bath, it's just creepy. And... God dang, I was so pissed off at this film. Um, so, you know, I'm all for giving people a second chance, but I'm sorry. Victor Salva is just a scumbag. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so it's kind of hard to separate it, you know, knowing how much of a scumbag he is in this movie. Especially, it just puts the icing on the cake when there's a scene where one of the clowns says, I'll take off his pants or something like that. Uh, in regards to one of the boys and I was just done I was done with this does anyone else want to say anything or do you want to let me get all the backlash for watching this one <laughs> well I used to watch it when I was like 11 or 12 and I didn't pick up on that yeah like, in, in, you know in the, back in the 80s but then like and then I hadn't seen it in 20 years and then you know I watched uh a digital copy of it mm -hmm. online that was not purchased. <laughs> so oh, I ha I am not a fan. Y'all know me. Yeah. I've made a big point of non piracy. Pirate this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, back. So you know, he did his time and things like that, and like you're saying, like. I've mentioned it before, like, you know, a lot of ways to keep people being from re repeat offenders are to let, you know, let them, you know, serve their time and then try to get rehabilitated and, and all mm -hmm. that. But that dude is not rehabilitated. Yeah. If you watch Jeepers Creepers 2, you can tell he is not rehabilitated. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I hear you. So, 
I didn't want to go too much into this. I just, sure. I didn't, Sorry. I didn't want to be, that. no, you're good. No, no, that's actually what I wanted to hear. I just didn't want to be the only one talking about this movie. Oh gosh. Um, cause I don't know how to approach it and I feel bad cause I probably run that poor girl's day. Um, one of her favorite movies as a child. I sit there to go, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't enjoy this movie because, you know, the director's straight up a pedophile. She was like, I had no idea. I felt kind of bad. I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I just totally ruined one of your favorite movies. That kind of makes me feel bad. But uh, either way. Even if even if you go back and watch Powder now, which he made. Yeah. You can, you can just tell. Yeah, it's... You know, I, I never condone piracy, and I guess I don't condone piracy in a direct way. Um, but it is available on YouTube, and that's probably the method I would recommend watching this. That's all I'll say. So, um, that way you don't support Victor Salva, but if you do are curious about this movie, go ahead and watch it that way. And then, I watched a couple of movies that I'll put reviews out that I don't want to get too deep into. Um, I don't know if it's the audience. They're kind of more on the extreme side. Um, I watched Flesh of the Void, um, a very good film uh, about a descent into madness and um, just kind of despair. Very good film, uh, very creepy, had me on the edge of my seat. And I watched the movie uh, today, uh, Mary and Dora's um, uh, Cannibal. And that was definitely a pretty vile uh, piece of work. So, you know, as per usual with these extreme films, I do not recommend anyone watch them because I do not want to be responsible for you being the being scarred for watching them. So I do not recommend them, regardless of my thoughts and reviews on them. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, but that's all I've been watching. So we're going to take a short break, and we're going to go ahead and get into the Universal Monster movies. Welcome back to the Cast the Drips Blood. This is Dead Eye Dave, and uh, we are going to be talking about the Universal Monster movies. And I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Caleb who's It's His Birthday Podcast, to talk about the Universal Monsters. So, when originally Jody came to me asking me what I want to do for my birthday, I, I racked my brain with ideas. And ultimately, fell on probably my favorite trend of mine, watching some Universal Monster films around Halloween time. Uh, so I thought, for everyone listening, I'll kind of explain what we'll do. Uh, so I will, I'd like to cover a little bit of the history of each of the films uh, and then kind of give it around the table to, to, to just talk about each individual film. So I guess from that point, uh, we'll start. The, the Universal film timeline kind of goes from uh, 1931 uh, to 1956. That, that's when it was really popular and they're really pushing out these movies that were kind of seen as iconic. Uh, but that being said, uh, the first film that is technically included in their timeline is from 1925, being the Phantom of the Opera silent film uh, featuring Lon Chaney Sr. Uh, as the iconic Phantom, uh, the man of a thousand faces, uh, absolutely an iconic person, did, did Hunchback in Notre Dame as well. Uh, but that's really what sparked Universal going, hey, we have a money maker here. We have something that can make a lot of, make us a lot of money. Uh, so I, I just thoroughly enjoyed the film. I got to see it about a year or so ago and just, it's creepy. It, it comes up in a lot of films nowadays. It's just 
really well done makeup and really well done creature. So I guess I'll send it around the table and we can just talk about Phantom of the Opera at the moment. Sounds good to me. Uh, Phantom of the Opera is an interesting film. Um, I will say, as far as enjoyability goes, I um, it's probably not towards the highest uh, for me, um, just because I, it is a little slow, but I do definitely see the merits of the film, and uh, it's, it's definitely an enjoyable movie. I agree with that. I kind of echo that same thing. It's kind of middle in the pack for me when it comes to Universal Monster movies. Um, but we do get to see a, a living legend in the movie and Lon Chaney Sr. You know, and, and obviously everybody is very familiar with Lon Chaney Jr. as well. Um, but Sr. does a, a good job in this movie. And um, it... it it works. It's fine, but I agree. It, it is a little slow, um, and it's about middle of the pack for me as far as Universal monster movies go. Okay. Jody, what did you think about this one? Yeah, basically me three. It's kind of middle of the pack for me. It's one that I like to sometimes put on in the background for ambiance. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of the imagery of it. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I watch it for entertainment value. Um, it is one of my... Hope nobody, nobody from work is listening to this. But when I go to that conference every year in St. Louis in October, and you know the one, I, then I like stay with mm-hmm. you guys for a couple days after. Well, while I'm back at the booth and the stuff is going on, I like to put on some of those old silent movies mm-hmm. that are horror <laughs> movies and, and uh, enjoy totally. those. So because there's no there's no sound anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's one of my go-tos for that. That and then uh, the one—it's not a Universal, but it's a film called Vampire. Yes, I mm-hmm. absolutely yep. love watching that. Mm-hmm. Just some of, the, some of the creepy atmosphere in that alone is pretty incredible. So yeah, I'd say uh, pretty 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 good movie, um, and especially for its time. Yeah, I, I uh, quite like it. Although I I definitely prefer the Gerard Butler remake because. Uh, Gerard's my dude. <laughs> Kicking it back to you, Caleb, though. What's your next one? Uh, the next one came out in February 14th, 1931. The iconic Dracula. The, the bite with uh, Bela Lugosi. Uh, and I say Bela Lugosi, and he will come up many more times. He kind of became a iconic figure in Universal itself. Uh, but a telling of the original uh, book by uh, can't think of his name, Bram Stoker, uh, and, and Dracula and vampires themselves. I feel were kind of inspired by this film and the book itself. Uh, many <laughs> vampire movies came out after this. Uh, many Dracula adaptations as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of adaptations of the Dracula story are out there. Um, this is a very strong one. Bela Lugosi is one of the most iconic, I think, of the Draculas that are out there, and such iconic imagery. I mean, kids even know what it is. You know, all the parents, you know, know what Dracula is. So I mean, it just speaks to how iconic it really is, and, and these Universal monsters are, because most of them are gonna know. I think. Phantom of the Opera, some people may not know, but but like Dracula, yeah, they're going to know what it is. 
I will say, I mean, similar to a lot of these movies, um, they are pretty, um, pretty slow paced to say the least. But, uh, I think it's just, we're used to a little bit more, um, you know, these days, but I think they're definitely a piece of, of great, um, craftsmanship for their time. I think there's a lot of fun to be had here with some cool sets and performances. Yeah, um, and, and to go back to Phantom of the Opera for a minute, I personally prefer Dario Argento's version. What? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, to, to get back to, to Dracula, uh, Bella Lugosi is iconic in this film. Uh, the makeup and his screen presence is really, really good. Um, and... Uh, David, I, I once again agree with you. This is a product of its time period. Uh, that I'm not saying that is bad, but it does. Have, it is slower paced once again, um, and it does have kind of its dull moments. But this movie is iconic in its look and feel, uh, and deserves its all time classic, you know, uh, status. Excellent. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. Jody, what are your thoughts on this one? I think it has tremendous impact on the future of horror and pop culture. It's the classic, when we think of Dracula, our mind goes to Bela Lugosi. Yep. Um, there's the incredible song by Bauhaus, Bela Lugosi's Dead. That's mm-hmm. just phenomenal. Great song, too. Love that song. And just this quote from that, like, to die, to be really dead. That must be glorious. There are far worse things awaiting man than death. Man, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, my tip of my hat to this movie, which for you know back in the early '30s, I imagine was quite something. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's it's pretty rad, and while not necessarily my favorite of the Dracula adaptations, I agree definitely, probably one of the most impactful horror films of all time, and. Um, definitely deserves a spot upon anyone's watch list and two for two phantom and dracula both of those have and this is another feature that makes for a really good villain and really good monster is for us to have empathy for them at some point at some point or another and i think both dracula and the phantom embody that pretty pretty powerfully awesome i totally agree with that all right, Caleb, what's your next film? Uh, the next one, which was released in November of the same year, uh, is the ever-iconic Frankenstein uh, with Boris Karloff. Again, Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi, kind of the dynamic duo of Universal themselves. Uh, I love this film. I loved Frankenstein. Just Frankenstein... The When you read the Frankenstein book, uh, nothing... <laughs> about that is kind of reflected in the creature that is portrayed in the movies. Uh, the bolts in the neck, the dome, type, the, the, the straight across uh, head, the large stature. Um, it's really it's really crazy to think how I mean, you look at, you know, growing up, you watch the monsters and that is what Herman Munster was portrayed as was a Frankenstein monster. Uh, I, I, it's probably one of my favorites out of the Universal horror films in general. So, awesome. 
No, I definitely see where you're coming from on that one. Maniac Mike, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, this is also one of my favorites of the Universal Monster movies. Um, and this story is kind of like what Jody was just talking about. We feel empathy for Frankenstein's monster in this film. Um, you know, the classic story of the monster doesn't know he's a monster. Mm-hmm. And he gets punished just for trying to fit in and do normal things because he doesn't know how to fit in and do normal things, you know, and spoilers for a hundred year old movie and a 200 year old story. Um, you know, when he throws the little girl in the lake, he's not doing it to be mean. Mm-hmm. And the punishment he gets Yes, does fit the crime. I mean, obviously, if you kill a little kid, you've got whatever's coming to you. Mm. But in this case, we get to see the other side of it, where it is a complete accident, and it's not on Frankenstein in this case. And so just the the tragedy of the story has always resonated with me, and uh, it always will. And I think uh, anybody who goes back and watches this Uh, it'll resonate with them as well. This is one of those movies that I think of, I wish I could go back to see audience reaction coming out of the movie theater after this, after they watched this film, Um, just to see what was being said and discussed and talked about, because this movie did push some limits. So uh, Frankenstein is one of my favorites from the Universal Monster movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Jigsaw Jody, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, just echoing everything that you guys said, uh, I think it had some pretty amazing filmmaking techniques. I think it had some really great set designs, the big burning windmill. Mm-hmm. Um, just a very cool at- gothic as- atmosphere, and I just think they you know, created another film that exactly what Mike said, how incredible would it be to sit in that, those audience the first time this was screened? Yeah, it's uh, if I could go back in time, that's one of the things I would go check out. I'd just hang around outside the movie theater to, to listen to people's reaction. Yeah, definitely. I think that would always, I think there's a lot of these iconic horror films that would be very fascinating to see. I think there's some movies that have come out here recently that some people may think similarly of, too. Um, so Frankenstein actually is a quite amazing movie. Uh, definitely one of my favorites of the Universal Monsters. I think it's become kind of the cool thing to like The Bride of Frankenstein more. Um, not going to really disagree. I think that movie's just as good, if not better. But um, I actually prefer, in a lot of ways, Frankenstein and its simplicity. I do love the story. I love the tragedy of it, which I think is greatly compounded on in its sequel, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but... What a great film. Just overall, it's, it's such an amazing adaptation. Um, I love Frankenstein. I think it's one of the best movies we're probably going to talk about today. And, um, yeah, totally recommend that one. All right. Caleb, what do you have next? So the next film came out 1932. Uh, we're kind of riding off that success as Boris, Boris Karloff is a universal 
superstar uh, was The Mummy, uh, which has been remade a few times. Uh, probably the most popular being the Brendan Fraser version of it. Mm. Uh, but uh, Mummy came out again in 1932. Uh, and just... I didn't care for The Mummy as much as I cared for the other films that we've talked so far about. Uh, it's less... I, I feel like it's less of a horror film than a kind of like an obsessive monster wants this kind of like woman, uh, which is portrayed in the remake as well. But I still love Boris Karloff and how towering he can be just uh, above every single one of his co-stars. I don't know how tall Boris Karloff actually was compared to everyone. Uh, I think it was... uh, yeah, he was only 5'11", so the fact that they were able to make him look extremely tall compared to other co-stars was kind of iconic. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from on this one. Uh, fascinating movie and series, which we'll go ahead and kick off. Uh, Maniac Mike, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of The Mummy. Uh, this one's in the bottom half for me. Um nothing really in particular it just didn't it doesn't hold my attention uh i've tried to watch this uh, uh, probably three times and i've gotten through the movie don't get me wrong but I, i've watched it two or three times hoping that it will get better and it just kind of doesn't um so th- this is one of them that i always just kind of avoid um i will say i do like karloff as the mummy like him uh, he looks really cool, but the the movie itself, it's to me, it's it's no great shake. So it's in the bottom half as far as the the Universal movies go. Okay, Jody, are you kind of similar thoughts on this one? Hundred percent. It's actually my very least favorite. Dang. Hmm. There's not there's not any of them that I'm going to sit here and say suck or trash or anything, but, but the Mummy's by by far my least favorite. Man. That's pretty crazy. We got a lot of mummy slander. And I'll add to it because, yeah, this is boring as sin. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't with this original mummy. I'm sorry. Um, it's just it's just too much. Um, I think there's a lot here that's interesting. I think there's some great sets. I think there's some great performances. And I'm sure at its time it was a very fascinating film. And obviously it has become such iconic imagery over time. But Goodness gracious. It's been done better. And the rest of the series, as it goes on with the Universal movies, gets even worse. And um, that's hard to imagine, but it really does. It gets, they get rough. <laughs> so, yeah, that, The Mummy is, is probably my least favorite of the uh, Universal monsters as well. Um, and I would recommend checking out the Tom Cruise film uh, for Absolutely. some good mummy action. I, I, I think... Uh, we kind of like that movie more than most around here. <laughs> so, all right, Caleb, what you got next for us? Uh, moving on to uh, 1933, uh, The Invisible Man, which has just had a recent remake, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but The Invisible Man, this one featuring Claude Rains, again, not one of the top stars for, like, such as Abel Lugosi or Boris Karloff, but he, he is seen in later 
uh, Universal films. And I think The Invisible Man was the reason for it. Uh, the effects used in this film, absolutely loved uh, the way they kind of made him invisible because there is scenes where he takes off his bandaging. Uh, but he's, it's an iconic look. I love the look of The Invisible Man. I, I just love how absolutely crazy uh, he is. Uh, Mark Hamill uh, has stated that his inspiration for Joker uh, came from The Invisible Man and Claude Rains. So I just, I really enjoyed this movie. I got to watch it last year as part of my 31 days of Halloween. And it was one of my, it's been one of my favorite Universal films since then. Awesome. Real awesome. Uh, I will uh, get into my thoughts shortly, but uh, Maniac Mike, what are your thoughts on this movie? Um, again, this one's about middle of the pack for me. Uh, I do like how they portray the Invisible Man. I think the the, the one one thing about these movies is they, they all were pushing like the cutting edge of special effects back then, uh, which is really cool to see. That's one thing I really do appreciate. Even like The Mummy, it's, it's not one of my favorites, but I appreciate the artistry that went into the special effects and the costumes because these guys were working with cardboard and duct tape and paint mm -hmm. for the most part. And uh, especially for the Invisible Man, you know, what? how they were able to actually portray the invisible part of the Invisible Man, uh, a lot of movie-making magic, and I can respect the crap out of it. And I really like that old-style filmmaking. Um, just the, the movie's just okay. Um, it's middle of the pack for me as well. Okay. Hi. Certainly understand where you're coming from on that one. Uh, Jigsaw Jody, where are you at with this? Actually, it's that one's in my top. Uh, can you guys imagine? Uh, you just, you already brought up this visual effects, but that's what I was going to talk about with this one. Can you imagine? I feel like that had to have like melted people's faces off. Yeah. In the, like because I can't even even the ones we've already talked about leading up to this don't compare with the visual effects. I mean, there's some great set design mm -hmm. and some great atmosphere in the other ones, but this had like visual effects that I think look better than a lot of stuff that are that is coming out today. Yeah, and I, I get agree. really I get really excited about it, and also I like it as just as a general tale of a of obsession. So, yeah, uh, Mummy, or not Mummy, but Invisible Man uh, ranks in my top. Awesome. Yeah, I really like this uh, Paul Verhoeven-directed movie starring Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, no, not Hollow Man. Gosh dang it. No, we're talking about The Invisible Man. Uh, no, uh, in all seriousness. Actually, uh, Mike, uh, we're, we're usually on the same page. I've got to disagree with you. I actually think The Invisible Man is probably my number two um, of the Universal Monster movies. Um right up there with uh, one that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, but I love this movie. I think it's uh, very good. It is uh, what everyone else has said. The, the effects are really strong. I actually think the story here is one of the cooler ones. Um, so for, and I think each one of these appealed to us in a different way for different reasons. And a lot of it may be, you know, which ones we were first exposed to. And this was one of the ones that I had seen first. Um, so I think that's probably a big part of it. You know, it's maybe nostalgia for me, but I do love The Invisible Man. So uh, that's that's definitely one of my favorite ones. Um, but um, I also do recommend The Hollow Man uh, from Paul Verhoeven. So. I like that movie. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I do too. It's actually a good film. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, either way, Caleb, what is our next film? The next film uh, coming out in 1935 is the only sequel, in quotes, that I will be including in this list. Uh, we're just covering the originals. Uh, the Bride of Frankenstein. And featuring, again, Boris Karloff as the monster and uh, Elsa Lanchester as the bride. Uh, going into the film, thought she was going to be kind of more of it. I thought she was going to be included more. But right at the very end, only gets a little bit of screen time. But what screen time? She, she makes the most of her screen time. Uh, I absolutely love it. Kind of, if, if I've read the book, so going into it, but after watching the films, thought there'd be more of the bride included. Only referenced in the books. Uh, only, and the Frankenstein's monster also talks. He has a, <laughs> you can distinguish what he's saying. So the fact that going into the first film and then four years later, including the bride showing her showing what he can create and including actual lines for Frankenstein's monster at the very end. It's I, I can see why it's probably the most iconic of all the films. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. All right. Definitely. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, this is one of my favorites. Um, it gets, the designation one of the best sequels in history for a reason mm-hmm. um, and if you thought the original Frankenstein was a tragedy this one is even more so a tragedy um, you can almost feel the rejection in some of the scenes in this film uh, and it's very well done Again, the, the makeup and the effects are top-notch for what they had back then. And uh, the, this is one of the, the few Universal Monster movies where the, the story, the acting, the effects, they're all 10 out of 10s. Um, and this is, if, if you're going to see maybe, you know, five Universal Monster movies, this has to be included on that list of five. Really so, cool. Yeah, no, I... I 100% see where you're coming from on this one. Jigsaw, Jody, what are your thoughts? Uh, I love it. I mean, like the the iconic hair of the bride has been, you know, kind of passed out and passed down in spoofs and pop culture references and things like that. Um, we have a lot of Bride of Chucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, or that owes a lot to Bride of Frankenstein. Um and yeah, you guys already covered it, but like like the feelings of rejection and and heartache and loss are really present in this film. So, hats off to the, hats off to this one as well. Heck yeah, no, I uh, I do actually like this one very well. Um, I think it's one of the. I actually agree. I think it's just one of the better sequels out there, especially in a time where sequels weren't very common. Oh, you get something like this. It's just so iconic. So I just kind of echo what everyone else says about this one. It's it's a very strong film. So, uh, all right, Caleb, what do you got next for us? Uh, the next film in 1941. Uh, between 1935 and 41, it was a lot of sequels. Uh, but 1941 is The Wolfman, featuring Lon Chaney Jr., son of Lon Chaney from the Family Opera, uh, featuring Bella Lugosi as Bella and uh, also featuring Claude Rains again. So I think 
this kind of set the precedent for werewolf films. Uh, I didn't I didn't care for this one too much. It's probably on one of the lowest of, of mine, just below, just above The Mummy. Uh, but I still thought it was a really good film. Definitely kind of like Dracula setting the precedent for what werewolf films would be. Definitely. I uh, definitely hear where you're coming from with that. Um, and I agree. So, uh, Maniac Mike, where are you coming from with it? Um, this one's in the top half for me. And this one, if you're going to, if to describe this movie just in a few words, is ambiance and atmosphere. Um, the fog effects in the forest, whenever you're, you're first seeing some of those first actual Wolfman scenes, uh, this movie has atmosphere for days. And uh, this is another one of those that I would like to see audience reactions um, from, you know, back when this movie was was released. Um, and I, I really enjoy The Wolfman, and I think it's one of the better universal films. Excellent. Yeah, no, I definitely. So Jigsaw Jody, where are you coming from with it? Uh, this is one of the average ones for me. Uh, I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, I watch it regularly. I have a special memory of it, sort of. One of the things that I inherited from my grandma when she passed away was a copy of The Wolfman on VHS. So I like to just pop it in and watch it. And I think it's... I think it's... Uh, the, the short runtime really helps, too. Like Because I think... I don't know, maybe the pacing in that is a little slower than some of the other ones. Um, but, you know, you got your, you know, moon going behind the clouds thing, and that's been mm-hmm. used to death for decades. Um, and, you know, you're not going to get uh, John Landis, American Werewolf in London transformation, yeah. you know, in 1941 or whatever. So uh, I'm going to say it's middle pack for me. I like it. Nice seven out of ten. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. This one's definitely in that um middle pack for the uh for the movies i do like it quite a bit i think it's a strong film uh i love the design that's kind of campy now but it still looks pretty neat today so i like the story behind it and everything it's just again every one of these monsters are just so iconic everyone knows who they are and it just really speaks for what uh, universal managed to do they just really struck gold at just about every chance they got here um, so it was pretty pretty impressive run of films, uh, to say the least. So, all right, Caleb, what's the next one? Uh, so rounding out the list, uh, 1954 was by far my favorite Universal monster film, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yay! Uh, featuring Yay. Ben Chapman and Riku Browning. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, uh, as the creature... Uh, uh, Chapman playing the Gillman, which I didn't even realize was the Gillman for the longest time, mm-hmm. uh, featuring the Gillman on land and Browning as the Gillman underwater. Uh, Gilman having to hold his breath for up to four minutes at a time to make the effect that he was breathing through actual gills. Uh, I I love this film. I the the sound the the the, the main theme is fantastic. The design of the creatures amazing which was made by uh millicent patrick uh didn't receive the she was largely uncredited at that time 
uh, due to the industry itself, uh, not wanting a woman to be seen up front as creating this creature. Uh, but absolutely an iconic creature. Uh, loved this film. I, it's one of my all time favorites. It's, I have the poster of it actually hanging up above me at the moment. So heck yeah, no, I definitely with you on that one. Uh, maniac Mike, what are your thoughts on this movie? Uh, I agree. Uh, it's one of the best, uh, this film. And yes, it is one of the later released universal monster movies, but this film just has a very big kind of epic feel to it. Um, you know, it starts out with this, you know, river journey on a boat and, um, it just feels a lot bigger and more alive than some of the other universal monster movies. And it has an iconic monster. Um, you know, the creature is, uh, we, we've talked about, you know, what has been influenced by a lot of these movies. I mean, a, a, a best film winner, uh, just a couple years ago, uh, for uh, shape of water was based on yeah. partly based on creature <laughs> from the black lagoon. Uh, I mean, it's almost a direct, you know, homage to the creature and, um, it is one of the best. I agree. Excellent. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Jody, uh, I heard a yeah as this one got brought up. So what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is my top favorite one also. Um, and it's probably that nostalgia factor, but we had an old 16 millimeter projector that and a camera that my parents used to shoot home movies on in the 60s and 70s. And they had a condensed, probably 45 minute long also silent, no sound to it because there's no sound to these projectors, but mm-hmm. um, print of Creature from the Black Lagoon that we would put on at the end. We would watch our home videos that were shot on film and of like old Christmases and different things like that. And then we would watch at the end the creature. And so cool. I used to just love that as a little boy. Um, and then another time we had in film school a 3D projection screening of the movie at film school. And it was just awesome. And I, you know, I own this one. It's one of the few that I actually own. Um, it's just my favorite. So, you know, shout out to the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely in the camp as well. Um, this is my favorite one by a pretty good margin, actually. Um, just such a great story. I think it really did do everything that Universal was wanting to do and kind of encapsulated it into one movie. And just their growth and everything got to this point. It just hit a fever pitch. And I actually like the sequels to this movie, too. It's got the tragedy. It's got the scares. It's got the performances. It's got kind of the edginess of the time and everything. It's just got everything you could want in a movie. So, yeah. Uh, Horns up to uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon. So, yeah, that's... uh, I agree, though. That's my favorite one on the top of the list. So do we have anything else, though, that we want to add before we close out the show? Other than a big happy birthday to Caleb and a great show. Yep. Yes, happy birthday. Happy birthday to Caleb. Uh, I got one thing, uh, and I know uh, this will probably – this a recent event that has happened probably struck a nerve with a few of us in this podcast group, but uh, a big RIP to Joey Jordison. Uh, Yeah drummer for Slipknot, a former drummer for Slipknot. Um, 
Slipknot's music was part of some very formative years with me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I just want to send a, a big shout out to, to his family, his his fans. I mean, there's a lot of people that uh, this, that one hit pretty hard. So yeah, I've been a Slipknot fan pretty much all my life. Um, still am. I uh, love the band. And yeah, best wishes go out to him. And um, he was dealing with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Over time. And um, I know, uh, I believe it was some form of sclerosis that he was dealing with towards the end where it made it hard for him to really be able to drum uh, like he used to. So just a rough, rough hand dealt for sure. And all those guys went through a crap ton of stuff. And um, it's just definitely hard uh, for sure. One of the one of the best quotes that has come out here over the past couple days is, he drummed better upside down than most people could sitting right side up. Yeah, no, he was phenomenal. I don't think anyone would, would doubt his talent, even if you're not a fan of the Slipknot brand or music. He was one that people liked regardless of their thoughts on the band. Yep. You know, and uh, so, yeah, I think I think that he will be very missed in the metal world. I don't think uh, things will ever quite be, be what they were without him. So definitely... Definitely glad you brought that up. So, all right. Anything else? Just a shout out to the board game Horrified. If you're a big fan of the Universal Monsters, uh, that's a fantastic co-op game to play with your family and friends. Oh, um, yeah, we've played that. Yep, I yeah. had the privilege to play it with Mike, and yeah, uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. It, it is. is. It's super rad. Yeah, that one's that one's definitely worth uh, worth learning. It's it's a lot of fun. So yeah, no, I. I totally agree. Check out Horrified. I think it's available at Walmart and most major retailers. So, all right. Until next time, keep it universal. Keep it monsters. Have a good one. And that concludes our show. We hope you've really enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to leave us a review. Find us on Facebook. But one of the most powerful ways that we can expand our audience and the show is for you to tell your friends about us. You know, if they love movies and you love movies, Hopefully they love our podcast too. So we would love to hear uh, you spreading the word of our show to all of your friends and uh, tell them about our community. If they have any questions about movies, we could save them some money on some of the bad ones and tell them what uh, maybe they should watch. Uh, But either way, until next time, we hope to see you all again.